Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Dr. Mike Wall. As most sports seasons, practices, and camps have been canceled in our area due to the coronavirus pandemic, many athletes of all ages may be experiencing a sense of loss or longing to play their favorite sport. Well, one often looked aspect of athletics is training. And given the abundance of time we have now, it's a great opportunity for young people to start in on an effective strength and conditioning program. With us today to give young athletes and parents some advice on how to stay on top of their game is John Reed, director of Atlantic Pro Sports. John is a former junior and university hockey player who went on to complete his Bachelor of Physical Education along with a Master's in Exercise Muscle Physiology at Memorial University. John has over 20 years of training experience, both as a player and a coach, so he's a perfect person to talk to. He joined me via Zoom, so let's check it out. Hey, John, welcome to the show. Hey, Mike, thank you very much for having me today. Well, I'm looking forward to this conversation. This is my world. This is where I came from. Today, we're going to talk about training athletes, strength coaching, all that fun stuff in the gym. Can you give the listeners a little bit of a background on why you're the right person to tell us all about us? All right. So my background, you know, as a, a child, I was, you know, an athlete really focused in that hockey and track and field world. So ultimately that was my passion. I've always had that passion in athlete development and performance. And I was really fortunate enough to ultimately play major junior and university hockey. And at that point, you know, it kind of was a cross path in my life where I had to figure out, do I want to pursue hockey or do I want to focus on education? And Gladly enough, I took the education path and I'm really happy about that. So ultimately, when I came home, I ended up doing my phys ed degree, which is where I met you, Mike. And from there, I did my master's in kinesiology with Dave Bain, which was an incredible experience. And throughout that time frame, I was doing some coaching with Cygnus Gymnastics and some local athletes around the city. I was still really focused on my master's and completing that and whatnot. And and from there, it led me to Atlantic Pro Sports. And it's been a it's been a great journey so far. You know, we're still relatively a new business, but we're really focusing on that athlete development and performance and helping all Newfoundland athletes reach their full potential and their athleticism and of course life and educate them for lots of lifelong lessons as they develop. Well, that's really good because I, I want people to know more about your business and, and what you do and, and why is it relevant, especially when kids are looking for that sort of next step when it comes to training and development. But a lot of people don't know what kinesiology is. Now, me and you both studied into the same guy. I came here to work with Dr. Bame as well, coming from a hockey training background. Was never a good hockey player. But, uh, but what is kinesiology for those folks that may not have been even familiar with the term? So it's, you know, interestingly enough, as I was an athlete and even as I, you know, started to pursue a university career, kinesiology was still a, a pretty new term to me. And, and as even a, a late teen, it was something that I really wasn't a whole lot familiar with considering I was, you know, relatively a great athlete and I was in that field. So when I came home, just had lots of conversations with people that were in that phys ed faculty and the kinesiology faculty. And it really spiked a lot of interest to me. I knew my entire life that my passion was athleticism, sports and helping others just achieve healthier lifestyles. So as I became more educated on what it is, it really sparked me and, and this could be something I want to do. So, you know, kinesiology would be the study of movement and, and how to apply that to performance and how to ensure that as an athlete or an individual, you know how to have great posture, you know how to live a life or a healthy lifestyle and ultimately take care of yourself. So, you know, I, I was really interested in the anatomy, the physiology, the exercise science component of it. 
And I knew that's where, you know, my background and finally I found something education wise that really clicked with me and I had a huge passion for it. So mm. I'm really happy that I stumbled across, you know, a career that I'm doing right now. I feel like I'm really fortunate to, to be able to do something that I love and, and work with people who always are willing to get better. So I'm really happy that kinesiology found me and it's something that I'm really excited to see in the future, how it develops, how it grows. I think it's an amazing profession. I think that, you know, we're still relatively new and I think that over time you're going to see a lot of great kinesiologists and a lot of, a lot of impact in society. Well, yeah, I was, I was saying when I graduated from UMB in 2000, so I'm dating myself now, but we were one of the first graduating <laughs> classes in the country. It was such a new thing. And when I came to do my master's, it was a master's in phys ed that changed the kinesiology the year that I was graduating. So it is new and it works closely with other fields. Like, so how would you interact with say physicians or physios or the other allied health or medical professionals we've all heard of before? That's a great question. And one of the biggest goals of my career is to develop a really strong interdisciplinary team of people who work together, who are professionals in different fields and can help deliver a service that no one person can do on their own. So for me, if we just use that hockey background, you know, I was, as I said, I was fortunate enough to play good hockey and throughout my career, I was always used to working with an interdisciplinary team. At the time, you know, you're young, you don't really understand the whole concept of it and how valuable it is, but you have your coach, you have your, your, you have your stats employees, you have your physios, your athletic therapists, your dietitians, your strength coaches. So during that, it just seems like it's an automatic thing and, and you're always just taking advantage of it. But when I was done playing hockey, that's when I really realized that with our business now, dietitians, athletic therapists, massage therapists, uh, we just recently brought on a mental health coach for our virtual program, Brad Yetman, who's coaching in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. And that's been a great piece to it, of course, especially where, you know, a lot of us are stuck at home right now. The mental health piece is equally as important as anything else. So, you know, mm. we're trying to focus on all the details that encompass an athlete to develop efficiently. And it's a lot more than just strength conditioning and kinesiology. For me, collaborating with, like you said, various professionals to help in any possible way that I can in terms of performance, if it's an athlete, in terms of posture, activation, living healthy lifestyles. So for me, you know, it's great because kinesiology is a, is a broad field and it allows mm -hmm. you to do multiple things. So I'm really looking forward to in the future, continuing to elaborate on that network of people who, you know, we all trust, we work together and we all have that like-minded goal of, of helping any individual, whoever it is, yeah. live a healthier lifestyle. So what is kinesiology? Well, kinesiology is defined as the scientific study of human movement. The term comes from the Greek word kinesis, which means to move. Kinesiology consists of several fields of study, which in their own right could each form their own independent profession. It could be a physiologist or a biomechanist or even a neurologist. But in Canada, we've chosen to group together these different professions that focus on all aspects of locomotion. In Canada, kinesiologists are university-educated health professionals that apply exercise and movement science to promote health and well-being, prevent, manage, and rehabilitate injuries, treat illness and chronic disease, restore function, and optimize human performance in the workplace, clinical settings, sport, and fitness. Kinesiologists use science and research to offer movement as medicine to any person with a health or fitness goal who wants hands-on, personalized approaches. Kinesiologists can work with people of all ages and physical abilities and in many settings to help them achieve health and wellness goals. They try to improve the quality of life by using interventions that typically include some form of physical activity. Kinesiologists deal with lots of people in the population, like adults, and maybe those adults that are pregnant or that are seniors or aging. They may work with children or adolescents. 
They may do training for specific clientele, for example, the military or industrial workers or firefighters, and they may deal with athletes and adventurers. They also work in clinical settings for people with health issues like metabolic and cardiovascular conditions, pulmonary conditions, neurological disease and injury, musculoskeletal problems, even mental health and psychiatric diagnosis, or conditions like chronic pain. So it's a broad field, but today we're going to zero in on the area where I got my start and where John spends his days, and that is the world of strength and conditioning. Let's get back to the interview. Athletes in general, they they sort of probably get a little bit on social media about what their favorite pros are doing and how they're training. And we had a guy on recently, Ben Prentice, who trains hockey players as well at the highest level. One of the things he said, and I think I agree with this too, is a lot of athletes don't realize what they really need to do. What are some of the things that you find with athletes that you're able to help the most with? So you just brought up a great point. You know, a lot of athletes, they may not be sure on where exactly they need to to focus on to make sure that they excel at their best. So there's so many components and it comes from physical, mental, your habits, your lifestyle, your routine. So, you know, to become a successful athlete, you have to be very good at all these very important elements that encompass an elite athlete. I'm a really strong believer in just, you know, very strong, efficient movement patterns and develop from there. So I have a, a range of athletes who I've worked with in the past. And to be honest with you, some of the most challenging athletes I've worked with are those who are older, who may not have been taught well at a young age, how to move well. And they're, they're in those habit sets. You know, it's very challenging to, to break them down and reestablish those strong movement patterns. So on my end, I think that posture movement patterns, activation is absolutely essential. So you've got, you've got a young athlete, for example, and there's another young athlete next to them. They're comparable in skill. They're comparable in size and all the different attributes that are relevant. How does working with somebody who's a strength coach actually make a difference when it comes to their sport performance, even at a young age? So somebody might not be going to the pros, but they may have a chance to make it to a higher level. So I think as an athlete, that's a great question. Of course, depending on where you are on the growth spectrum, things are going to change. So, you know, I've, I've some athletes who are that bantam age that there's, you know, really big gaps in maturity and growth and that's fine because, you know, everyone's a little different, but I think on, on the athlete's perspective, we could really help with gaining the coordination, gaining the ability to know how to activate your muscles and move properly. And then from there, being able to develop some strength, some power, and then the various tools that are really important, multiple sports, such as your direction change, how can you accelerate? How can you take off in an efficient position? Uh, you know, there's many, many ways, hand-eye coordination, balance and whatnot. So for me, I try to ensure that, you know, of course, for an athlete, strength and power is always, you know, if I ask 99% of the athletes, what do you want to get better at? Well, I want to get stronger. I want to get faster. Perfect. So that makes, you know, a lot of my programming to an extent, sometimes similar, but then of course, depending on the sport, depending on where you are in terms of your ability to move and whatnot, you know, there's got to be changes and of course, taking into account injury history, which is always a big, you know, big factor you got to take into consideration too. So I think for an athlete, you know, we can really help enhance your overall athleticism. And then as you grow, we grow with you and we find ways to always challenge you and, and grow from there. We're talking with John Reed from Atlantic Pro Sports on what athletes can do to keep their training optimized when sports aren't an option. We'll be right back after this break. Welcome back. We're here with John Reed, kinesiologist and director of Atlantic Pro Sports. We're talking about training for athletes at home. In this segment, he shares the importance of improving mobility and working on movement patterns for overall performance. Let's check it out. 
right now is hard for kids because they can't play sports. What are some advantages that kids have at this point in time when it comes to sports? Are there any? So like you said, unfortunately, you know, you may not be able to participate. We can just use hockey because we both have that hockey background. So, you know what, you may not be able to actually go to your regular practices and games and whatnot, but at the same time, there's a lot of advantages that we could capitalize on right, right now. So biggest one, in my opinion, is focus on really strong movement patterns and those basic movements and master them. We know as people who are in that strength training field that squatting, hinging, lunging, all these movements are exceptionally important, but at the same time, a lot of us may not put that extra work into even body weight movements. Like once they get into the gym, they want to, they want to get at it right away. So it's a great time to master movements using your body weight as resistance and using just different tools around the house and whatnot. And we'll get into that a little later, but mm. I think mastering movement is great right now. And of course, if you have, like you said, and I'm in the same position as you, Mike, of course we have a couple lingering pains and whatnot from maybe not the best training styles as we went through it and things have changed quite a bit. So, you know what, if you have an ankle issue or whatever the case may be, it's a great time to put a little bit more emphasis on fixing that, doing some activation, some injury prevention, trying to develop a, a protocol that when we get back into that field or that arena, whatever the case may be, your body's functioning well, you're injury free, you're recovered. Maybe it's a good time to focus on some mental health approaches, some nutrition, some uh, routines that work for you. And you, you can still replicate that, you know, as if you are a practicing or if you're in a game, but we can maybe use some workouts and some activation workouts instead. Mm -hmm. So I know right now you guys are doing some online programming. A lot of people are got online with their fitness. Uh, can people train at home effectively? And then maybe another question is, is it as effective? So right now, in terms of just to answer that second question, you know, I think that having the guidance of a coach and a strength coach and someone who's there with you at all times, focusing on your movement and really guiding you through the sessions, it is hard to replicate for sure. There are certainly still a lot of benefits to working out at home. I know for myself, I've had a routine that I try to stick to. I know that, you know, I'm working from home. It's something that I'm not used to. I'm not used to being in you know, a seated position this much. I'm not used to this much screen time. So I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying really hard to take some breaks throughout the day. I'm trying to throw in a lot more mobility. So I've developed just a couple things for myself because I know where my uh, lingering pain is. Mm -hmm. So, you know, two or three times a day, I try to get up for even 10 minutes and just open up my chest a bit and just try to, you know, really focus on my shoulder mobility. And that's kind of where some issues are for me. But at the same time, I think that as you are home right now, you can still get better. There's still lots of ways to improve your performance and just focus on not detraining. Like even if we're maintaining right now, you know, we've worked many, many years and, and you've had lots of gains physically through strength and power and whatnot, but it doesn't take, and we're both aware of this, it doesn't take a long time to lose a lot of that hard work that you've put into the gym, put into your uh, sport of interest. So, you know, if that means that you're outside stick handling, you're shooting some pucks, uh, you're shooting some hoops, but at the same time, you're doing lots of body weight movements and using household items to even maintain that once you get back to that sport, that you are at least in a pretty good position that you can still perform well and that, that things are, are looking pretty good for your athleticism. Well, that brings me to another point. Actually, that's a, you kind of hit on a couple things there. So you've got, you said movement patterns so far, you said strength and power. I'm guessing flexibility is a big thing. You don't need a lot of equipment for that. You might need a squat rack to lift a heavy squat. But what about flexibility and, and training people around? Because you could say, I want to do a better movement or do a better squat form, but some people are just restricted because they can't. Yeah. Like how, how could somebody work on that from home? So I think even focusing on two things like flexibility and mobility, and there's a difference. And you hear those terms very often, 
So just really quickly, you know, flexibility would be your typical kind of stretching, holding it for an elongated time and just hopefully over time causing that structural change in the muscle that's, you know, your hamstring is a little longer, puts you in a better position. Whereas mobility has to do with a lot of just muscle activation and actively bringing that joint so we can use your hip through extension, through flexion, through, you know, abduction, adduction and whatnot. So I think by, by working on both, it's, you know, for me, I'll use myself and as example, like, you know, hockey is a pretty tough sport on the hips. Mm. And as I get a little older, I am finding that there are some restrictions for me. So I've been spending a lot of time on just trying to open up my hips. My hips ability to move in and out is, is really limited. So for me, I know, you know, my goal is that when I get back to work, I don't want to be uh, leaning to one side because I'm really dominant on one side. So I have even goals for myself for mobility and flexibility. And I think that by using both along with, your sports skill training, your at-home workouts. I think that you're setting yourself up for, you know, success. And of course, for good posture and good healthy movement patterns, no matter what you end up achieving with sports, but through life in general, because I think that between you and I, we could both say that, you know, we probably could have spent a little extra time as, as younger athletes as well. And, you know, sometimes we have those aches and pains, which, which are a little unfortunate. Yeah. I started training properly at the age of 20, but I started training at the age of 14. So I had about six years of, uh, of bad lifting in there. So we've sort of addressed this topic in the past, but I always like to ask experts when it comes to their opinion on it, what do they need for home gear and how can they actually get it? (laughs) So some people are very fortunate that before this pandemic happened, that they had some good supplies at home. I know that from feedback from various people we work with, it's definitely challenging to get a strong set of dumbbells or a good bike or whatever the case may be. Fortunately, I had to, the ability to borrow some stuff from the gym. So I was in a pretty good position, but you know, for the, the general population, I think that you can get very, very creative without knowing what you actually have in your house that, be, that could be very useful. So for example, you know, with some of the virtual programs that we're doing now, a lot of the equipment we'll use, like I've broken out some old Sherwood hockey sticks to help with mobility, to help with some overhead positioning, to help with different core and activation exercises. I'm using socks on a floor so I can do replicate hamstring curls, lateral lunges, like slide outs in a plank or whatever the case may be. So socks, great tool. Towel, great tool to work on, you know, even foot strengthening, like toe crunches, various ankle activation exercises, even something like a pillow on your couch. If you hop on that pillow and try and do 30 seconds of balance with one eye closed on one leg, that's tough. Mm-hmm. So even, you know, a chair, uh, I have an old chair from an old table set that I have in my garage. So I've been using that for, you know, single leg squats and just lateral step ups and, and whatnot. And I haven't used this in my virtual program, but I have done it before. Sacks of potatoes are pretty tough to do some side raises and some shoulder work with some soup yep. cans. So I think being creative is the key and mm-hmm making it work with whatever you have access to. So that's a great question because I'm always in my house. We only moved uh, about a month ago, actually into a new house. So I'm not at the advantage I was before I did my cleanup prior to the move, but trying to get creative and always find a ways to challenge myself with whatever works for me and whatever I have access to. Well, it's funny. I just picked up one of those total gyms for a hundred bucks and people are like the Chuck Norris (laughs) total gym. Like that is, we used to use that when we trained professional athletes in the States and we were surrounded by the nicest gear you could imagine. But you put that thing up on a windowsill and you've created like a six degree angle and you do cable flies. That is hard. So it's not necessarily that safe. You got to make sure it's secure, but you know, there are so many different ways and there's things that there's actually gold that you can find out there that people don't realize maybe is actually as good as you're going to get in today's world. So it's uh, it's going to get you through for the next little while. 
I, I love that answer. And, and, you know, I think that's really important, but again, I do, I do understand that it's awful nice. I, and I love going in and grabbing a nice set of dumbbells or having a nice squat rack or getting on a, a really nice stepper when I want to go do my cardio as opposed to, you know, making do, but I guess that's what we have to do right now. Definitely. And just to throw on that. So for the cardio, Mike, I have a bike, which is great, but like I said, sometimes when you have those tight hips, things aren't so welcoming on the bike. So unfortunately I live on top of a 600 meter hill. So I've been even trying to do some, uh, which I don't love, but I've been trying to do some things like some hill sprints and whatnot. And you know, that's challenging, but even using your household items, but then heading outside, you know, what's around your area. Do you have a little pond that's two kilometers long with the trail? Do you have hills? So there's lots of ways to, to be creative and tap into strength and aerobic and anaerobic training. And I think that creativity is the key for sure. We're talking with John Reed from Atlantic Pro Sports on what athletes can do to keep their training optimized when sports aren't an option. We'll be right back after this break. Welcome back. We're talking with John Reed, kinesiologist and director of Atlantic Pro Sports. In this segment, we talk about one of my favorite training approaches, which is called periodization. This approach involves the careful planning of an athlete's training in order to safely progress them to the point where they can improve strength and power for their sport and then maintain those gains during the season in order to amplify performance. Let's check it out and see what we can do to get our plan of action in place. Let's get into some of the some of the specifics now when it comes to something I think is really important, and that is periodization. And I read the book by Tudor Bamba. For anybody that's into this stuff and they really like periodization or they like sports training, I really recommend to pick up the book by Tudor Bamba. That thing is literally a Bible when it comes to strength coaching. But explain to me what periodization is and why is it used in athletic training? All right. So uh, before we even open it up, one thing as a youth and when I went through it is I've never, you know, throughout my entire youth career done a periodized approach to any type of training. So for me, even as an athlete who, you know, played pretty good hockey, like it was, it was never introduced to me until I actually entered that kinesiology field. And that's where in my mind, I was like, that makes so much sense, but why have I not been doing that? Mm -hmm. So for me, my whole life, it was just go, 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 no matter what I had to go. And of course that's not the right way to do it. So in terms of periodization, so if you haven't heard of it, it's, you know, it's a really upcoming, very, very popular thing in our field and that exercise science and strength conditioning. And it's the ability to look at an annual plan. So we can just use probably just a hockey player again. It's our, it's our best example. And we can look at a full year. So it's looking at that full year and trying to make a plan to ensure that if we start in May, off season starts, that as we go through that off season, we're peaking, you have your, your breaks of recovery. Once tryouts hit, you're at your absolute best. And then we maintain or just slightly increase throughout the season. Of course, you're really loaded down with lots of games, lots of practices and whatnot. So just funny ways throughout the season to make sure you're not overtraining, you're not getting injured, and you're really addressing, you know, a lot of activation, mobility, and, and recovery techniques. And then at the end of that season, you know, if you have playoffs coming around the corner, really trying to figure out a way that, okay, we just had a, a really long season. My body's tired. I may have three months of playoffs to game seven, of the Stanley cup final. So how am I going to continue to do this? So then as a strength coach, as a coach, you really got to find ways to, you know, emphasize recovery, emphasize adjusting the volume and intensity and finding a way that you can perform at all times. So ultimately it's really trying to figure out ways to adjust the intensity, how hard you're working, how much you're lifting as, and at the same time, the volume. So it's really challenging depending on the sports, depending on the athlete and where you are in performance. 
it's a science in its own. And to be honest with you, it's something that I'm extremely passionate about. I'm really glad that you are too, because, you know, I'd like to have some continued chats with this with you as well, yeah. but there's just so many ways to do it. And, it, and it's, it's a great, it's a great topic. Well, and the thing for people, just imagine that it's almost like a wave where you start off and you gradually build and then you relax during the season. And then their, their goal is to continually build. And so you said Stanley Cup playoffs, but for the parent that's listening or the young athletes that's listening, the goal is that you're going into the season as best you can. And when you come out of that season, you're not beat to pieces. So yeah. you can pick up where you left off and get better in that offseason. So the next year coming back, you're not only more skilled and you're bigger, stronger, older, more mature, more experienced, but you can actually continue to evolve that whole side of your game, which is so critically important we're finding these days. So if I was to walk through it, I'm walking into your facility and I say, look, I need to get better. I just finished the season. Walk me through how training would change as I go through my phases. All right. So if your season just ended, the first thing I would ask you is when was that date? And have you had some sort of a time to recover? So we would call that just a recovery phase. It's been a really long season. You've had a lot of activity. And the last thing we want to do is start an off season where you may have, you know, some lingering issues. You're feeling a little banged up. So for us, really important to stress, okay, let's take some time to recover. At the same time, if you want to get started right away, that's great. But your workouts are going to be extremely low key. And we're going to make sure that, you know, maybe in two, three weeks when we start that you're feeling very energized and ready to go. So we'd call that just say your active recovery phase after the season. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then once that off season starts, so we would typically start with a general preparation phase. So that preparation phase, you know, if we say the off season is four months, maybe for two months or a month and a half, we're going to focus on high repetitions, building some muscle mass, building tolerance to your joints and your ligaments so that once we get a little further into that off season, we can do some really interesting power and acceleration, really high intensity movement. So those four, first two months in terms of a rep scheme, keeping them relatively high, we're not going to lift super, super heavy right now, but we're prepping your body. So that as we progress through that off season, that we're going to be able to get in some really interesting things. And as we progress into it, shifting our focus from some maybe aerobic focus to build that strong base as well. And let's say we roll around, it's, you know, June, July, August, tryouts are coming. That's when we're really going to tap into some power production and overall just really focus on energy system training. In the anatomical adaptation stage, you said about strengthening ligaments and tendons and, and doing higher repetitions. Would you be focusing on specific body parts? Why would you be needing to do this before you got into power? Most people would think that, you know, you just want to jump right in. The longer you can lift heavy the and the more times you could do it, the stronger you can get over time. Definitely. And it's a great point because it's all about education too. And for us, I think it's really important to emphasize that you can't just jump into really heavy, you know, two rep max squats and, and hang cleans and whatnot and, and expect to be able to do it for four months and not get an injury. Like you have to prepare your body, same as if, you know, you're a, a gymnast preparing for a competition. Mm. There's months and months of time preparing the body to physically handle the demands of what's coming. So the whole goal for us in, in those first phases, like you mentioned, is to prepare the anatomy and your body so that, you know, once we get there, you have muscle mass, you have the ability to handle stress of, you know, different jumps, different sprints and whatnot. So that we're just basically progressing along the curve to ensure safety first, and then to ensure that we can hit maximal performance. And I'm just so intrigued by these questions because it's just such an interesting topic yeah. and it's, and it's so educational. Okay. Well, that's good. I think that's important for people. So, okay. So now we realize it's just like anything. You got to build the foundation of your house before you start to put the siding on to make it look the way you want it to look. Perfect so analogy. yeah. So you've got your foundation, our ligaments, our tendons, our muscles, everything is 
back to normal. It's recovered from the off season. We've done this general preparation phase. We did this active recovery phase. And now you said the words that everybody I think is looking for when they're looking at sports, the strength and power. That's the next phase. And that's not the last phase, mind you, but it's the next phase. What do you do in that phase? And how does your training differ from the previous stage? All right. So that's when we would really look at shifting a lot of the, you know, upping the intensity, reducing the volume a little bit. So we're not going to go really, really high repetitions. We're going to focus on power production, rate of force production. It's interesting throughout the entire season, like we will still do strength and power. We're not just going to neglect it, but the focus won't necessarily be on that. So as we get a little deeper into that specific time frame, I think it's really important to start focusing on, you know, what are some movements that are really important in your sport, you know, is really quick acceleration is, you know, lifting an abundance of weight really quickly, like whatever that case may be, that's when we dig into more sports specific things. And at that time, your body should be feeling good. So for us really focusing on multiple things, but specifically maximum strength, maximum power production, lots of track days, lots of acceleration, top end velocity. And then from there, trying to find a date that when our trial is going to start. So then it's, you know, it's a science and it's scheduling. It's having a really strong plan. I'd like to clarify something for people too, is that an exercise like a squat might be in your general recovery phase or, or active recovery phase. It may be in your anatomical adaptation. It may be in your hypertrophy phase. It may be in your power development phase, but how does it change? Great question. So if we use those first couple months, you know, we would really focus on how is your squat look? Is there anything we have to adjust? Do we have to work on maybe some, some hip activation and open up those hips or ankle mobility, whatever the case is. So even for those first couple of weeks, taking a look at it, making some corrections and trying to implement those corrections into your program. And then as we progress, you know, let's just use an example of, you know, maybe we're going to start with 10 reps and we're going to go a couple seconds down and we're going to come back up and we're not so worried about heavy movement, but just quality of movement and, and good repetitions. And then from there, as we get a little deeper into the off season, you'd see maybe we're doing four sets of five and our rest is getting a little longer. We're lifting a little heavier. And as we get, you know, really close to that peak, maybe we're doing six sets of two and we're, you know, really trying to hit that maximum strength through the squat and then maybe even before trials we're doing some unloaded squats we're trying to do some some power production maybe we'll just have 15 percent of what you can typically lift and we're trying to extend really quickly so that you're trying to tap in from those initial phases from the start of the off season how do you move are you moving pretty good okay perfect let's get you a little stronger get some muscle mass for those those muscles that are actually utilized throughout the squat and work on your posture and as we get through it let's look at strength and then that final phase, how fast can you move it? So all, you know, using a squat, a universal movement, there's so many ways to manipulate it and manipulate the tempo, you know, how many seconds down, how many seconds are you pausing? And what about the up phase? And then just your power production and, and being very explosive. So I always really try to emphasize a really explosive up phase, depending on the phase, but uh, it's a great question. There's just so many ways that you can use any movement and implement that in your, your entire year plan. So as we get into that close to tryouts, like you said, that's when I think for me, a lot of focus has to do with safety. You know, we cannot send you to a camp injured with any lower back hip pain. So at that time, you know, I may look at, okay, power production, really important right now. So if you were squatting, I'm just going to throw a number out there, 315 pounds for, for five reps. Well, then maybe we're going to look at reducing that 60, 70% and just focus on that really quick extension phase. So there's lots of ways to manipulate it. But I think in my opinion, uh, prior to the, uh, the trial starting, I'm going to unload a little bit. I'm going to focus on reducing the overall volume. So maybe, you know, we went from six sets of two, we might do three sets of four now and just reduce it a bit and just focus on moving quick and, and generating lots of power. Mm-hmm. 
No, that's perfect. And that, that makes sense. It's uh, you're prepping everything, everything you've, you've proven that it can perform. And then you're giving it a bit of a breather because there's only so much training we can handle. And all of a sudden now some of that training time is being occupied by the sport itself. Definitely. Right. So let's, let's talk about that. So now we get into the season itself. What are people going to try and do during their competitive phase to keep, keep, uh, keep their gains that they got in the off season? Great question. I find that we have a lot of, of great commitment in the summer and I'm going to use the youth athlete for an example right now. And, you know, we may see you three or four times a week and you've had some great gains in performance. And then, you know, that season starts and I may not see you again until June. So I really try to focus and I know you would be a believer of this too, is that it's still really important to ensure that you are doing some strength training throughout the season, whatever sport that is, because, you know, Let's use ourselves, Mike. We worked really hard from May to August. We're at our peak, peak shape. And, you know, at our age, it's tough to get lots of gains. So for us, we don't want to ensure that we decrease in our strength and power. We, we, we want to maintain it. So as you get into that season, you know, tryouts, of course, are, are challenging for some people. It's, it's really loaded with lots of activity and lots of volume. But once you get into that routine of the season, I think it's extremely important to still focus on maintaining. So, you know, not necessarily having extremely hard sessions, but maybe we're going in the gym two or three times a week. We're going to do some more isolated stuff. Maybe we're going to do some, some back and some, some hips and whatnot. And the next day we might do some chest and some arms and maybe some, some hamstrings. So just finding ways to not go too, too hard. You have, you have a lot of activity with the sports. So maybe we're going to do, you know, three sets of 10. We're working at like 70 to 80%, but it's also a great time to focus on lots of activation, lots of mobility, a lot of recovery techniques, nutrition, hydration, sleep and the mental performance. So, you know, if we look at that annual plan, of course, everyone knows the off season is very important, but you know, I would suggest, and, and I would probably preach that the in season is equally as important. And that's when you see a lot of people maybe lose some of that performance that you worked really, really hard for. So for me, mm. really trying to educate the, the public on, you know, how important that in season is and uh, helping any athlete along for the ride. We're talking with John Reed from Atlantic Pro Sports on what athletes can do to keep their training optimized when sports aren't an option. We'll be right back after this break. Welcome back. I'm talking with John Reed, kinesiologist and director of Atlantic Pro Sports. In this segment, we'll chat about the many mainstream power movements that are being implemented into programs, including Olympic lifting, and why these should be approached with caution and preparation in order to get their benefit and not cause injuries. Let's check it out. If I was a kid and I, I wanted to establish some really solid movements in the gym, what are the core exercises or you know sort of movements that i really need to first of all get the right form for and then master and get stronger at over time perfect question so for me uh you know movement patterns and the ability to efficiently move is absolutely crucial and there's a few movements i'd like your opinion on this too uh for me i think the most difficult movement to do is hinge and to hinge efficiently and not having to put you know that lower back into the equation the ability to pivot at your hips is absolutely essential in terms of squatting, lunging, Olympic lifting, multiple, multiple things. So I think that hinging is absolutely crucial to me. It's one of the hardest movements to teach. Uh, squatting, of course, is, is very, very important. Uh, it really helps address and same with hinges, weaknesses, imbalances, and tightness overall throughout the body. So for me, you know, some of the first things I'll get any athlete to do is how do you squat? How do you hinge? No weight. That's it. I just want to see how you move. And okay. So there's some work that we need to do. And 
we're going to delay the strength training process a bit because I need to make sure that you can do this before we progress. And then of course, you know, your lunges, even a general push-up. I've worked with so many people that they're like, Hey, do you know what? I can do 50 push-ups." I'm like, okay, well, let's talk about this for five minutes. Let's make a couple correction cues and see if you can do 50 then. And then they're at, geez, I did 15. Like what's going on here. So like yeah. just teaching those, you know, basic movement patterns, a plank, a dead bug, a bird dog, uh, all these things, in my opinion, they may look simple to, you know, someone watching on a video, but, uh, very difficult to execute. And I think all these movements, if you can perform them well, can encompass us to deliver, you know, different movements, like a front squat, a hang clean, a, a trap bar deadlift, a pull up and whatever the case may be. So what are your thoughts on that? What, what do you yeah. think are some main, main movements? No, I agree. I mean, we used to take athletes and we would give them a broomstick to do a clean once they had all yeah. those fundamental movements down and we were not allowing to progress until they got it. And this is one thing I would tell the listeners to pay attention to is that it's really cool to do a hang clean or a snatch or some sort of exercise that you're doing in your program. But in order to do that safely, there are a lot of things. It's like building the hundredth floor on a skyscraper when the first floor isn't stable. That thing could fall down and be really, you know, like I saw I use so many analogies, but, but, you know, it's not about entertaining sometimes. And the hardest thing I think for a strength coach to do is say, we, you aren't allowed to go heavier. You have to work on your ankles before you can work on throwing more weight on that bar. So I'm a big believer in that as well. And I mean, maybe that's something you could touch on right now for the general population. I know you also do online coaching and fitness classes for adults as well. What are some things that people should keep in mind? Because there are so many options out there and there's so many different ways to be entertained with fitness. But why is it so fundamentally important that they choose something that's going to be guided properly? Definitely. Great, great topic. Uh, in terms of the movement and uh, shutting down some progressions to movement, sometimes it's a difficult conversation. And, you know, I've had, you know, athletes in their mid 20s who, uh, you know, maybe I've worked with for a year and they're like, I just can't hang clean. I'm like, have you done them before? No. I'm like, well, do you know what? Like it, this is some people's career. Olympic lifting is a full sport in itself and it takes years to get good at this. So if you can't hang clean right now, that's fine. I know that you want to, but we're going to find a way to make this work. So maybe we'll do something like a, a high pull, or maybe we'll introduce a squat jump, like something vertically pushing through the ground. So just finding ways to work. Not every movement is going to work for everyone. For example, I have never snatched and I will most likely never snatch because I just don't know if I have the ability in my shoulder to do it through sports and through life. So, you know, just because like you said, a hand clean, super cool. It's a great movement to do but it's not going to work for everyone. And having those conversations are really challenging sometimes. So, you know, it's all about safely progressing and that's really important to us. And then in terms of, you know, even a virtual option, I think that, you know, having guidance and having a structured plan is really important. Of course, there's many great options out there uh, for what we deliver. You know, I still try to replicate a plan and structure as if I'm in the gym. I know it's very different, but even trying to tap into, some sort of a periodization approach, trying to manipulate things like your tempo of exercises, how slow and your pause phase and the up phase and whatnot. And, you know, that can get very challenging. If you do six squats and you're going 12 seconds down, you got a 20 pound weight, things get challenging. So manipulating the tempo using household items and even for plyometrics, trying to manipulate the contact time and how quick you can get off the ground and the difficulty of jumps. So with our approach, you know, having a lot of structure, still having a plan, uh, going through those up and down phases of still virtual training, it's different, but at the same time with virtual, really trying to focus on with our programs, a lot of activation, a lot of hip work, a lot of upper back and neck strength and whatnot. 
So still trying, like you said, to, to replicate what we do in the gym. It is, it's definitely challenging, but I think having guidance and accountability and being in a structured program is a great approach to virtual at-home training for sure. So John, I really, I really appreciate this. I, I really enjoyed our chat. I love geeking out when it comes to strength and conditioning and, and all the periodization and all that athletic training as well. Uh, any, any last thoughts for people that are listening some key takeaways from your perspective? All right. So I think that, uh, like you said, Mike, great chat. Love having these conversations and I look forward to some future chats for sure. Uh, I think key giveaways, uh, biggest one for me is no matter what sport, whatever you're doing in life, focusing on mobility, activation and moving well for me, like that's, that's the biggest thing I preach is that whether you're a 55 year old recreational runner or you're trying to enter the NHL movement patterns is crucial and no one wants to go through life with lingering pain and, and injuries. So I think biggest takeaway Make that part of your routine. Focus on it. It's very, very important. Uh, second, uh, you know, athlete development is is very uh, it's very interesting. There's a lot that come to it, and you can't nowadays. You, I don't think you can expect to just play your sport and and be successful. Like there's multiple component sets that are required, and it's from the physical to the mental to the nutrition piece. And I think that you know having a plan and working with various professionals are your best approach to becoming successful. And, you know, as an athlete, it's great if you do get success, but then taking that education with you for, for your life and, and passing on to your kids and your, and your grandkids and whatnot. So I think that's really important. And uh, other than that, I think just, you know, while we're at home, having a plan, stick to routine and making sure that of course it's, it's tough to, to stay on track sometimes, but it's, it's also very easy to fall into some, some maybe poor patterns and, and behaviors. So focus on your health and at all times, you know, reaching out to people like myself and Mike who are here, always here to help. Yeah. And you know, if people want to get a hold of you, how do they reach you? So for me, you know, we have our, our website, AtlanticProSports.net. My email is John at AtlanticProSports.net as well. And I just recently created a, a little Instagram uh, kinesiology page. So it's John R underscore Ken. So for that, just trying to offer some educational material and tips and, and just trying to help promote a healthy lifestyle. That's excellent. Well, I really appreciate you taking time today. I think you were a fantastic explanation of what people need to know and just how in depth it is and how much science is involved. So thanks for, thanks for joining us today. Thank you very much, Mike. Thank you to John for joining me today. Whether you're an athlete or a recreational exerciser, getting a solid plan in place is important to progress and see results. For those athletes at home who can't get out and play, remember to focus on movement, mobility, and improving over this break. You may find that you're much better when you get back on the ice, the field, or the court. Well, that's today's show. I'm your host, Dr. Mike Wall. We'll see you back here next week for another episode of the Wellness and Healthy Lifestyle Show on your... VOCM.